Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music, Dave. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You wouldn't be able to do these awful things to me if I were still in this chair. But you are, Blanche. You are in that chair. Who's in the box? Put the gun down, baby. Oh, what's in the box? Give me, give me the what's gun. in the box? Give me the gun. Wolves have a territorial range of about 300 miles, and they kill range of 30. If we're close to their dam, and if we're within that radius, then they'll come after us. How can we tell if we're close? We can't. What in God's name are you talking about? Yes, son, Mr. Thornton. Son of the devil. He must die, Mr. Thorne. You do not want to go that way. What's that way? Officer, sir. You do not want to go that way. We're going to the mall. Hello, Dexter Morgan. Hello, welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of our film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. And one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you? It's 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 almost like deja vu. Deja vu? Deja vu. I don't even know how to say it. Well, personally, I, I'm having technical difficulties tonight. We'll see if anything else happens. Yeah, yeah he has the, weird voices coming out of him. Yeah, we, we have to do the... Uh, uh, this is for the third opening because we had some technical difficulties, but uh, all is good now. So, uh, in the state of New York, hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm fine still, Phil. How are you still? I am still okay. <laughs> yeah, I've answered that three times now. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia, hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? I am now tired. I understand. So oh, you know uh, we're all being so d- much drama queens. Jesus Christ. We're only starting 10 minutes late. We've had to wait longer than that for Mike to show up. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's get into uh, who we are, who we are. We are part of the dark discussions news network. This is the podcast called dark discussions podcast that started at all like 12 or 13 years ago. Uh, you can find us at www.darkdiscussions.com, the website where this podcast is found as well as other podcasts and things. Uh, you can email us two ways, darkdiscussions at AOL.com or www.darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us menu choice on any page of the website, and that will open up an email box as well. Uh, when you do email us, we will read your email on the podcast if you want. So uh, please do email us. We know you're out there. Some some of you are longtime listeners too, and you guys uh, haven't emailed us for a while, so please do. Um, Eric, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? They can find a link to our Patreon page. Patreon is how you can support us. Producing this show is not free. So if you'd like to help us offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions. Every $5 that you donate, you'll have the opportunity to submit a topic for us to possibly do a show on. Uh, We take all these submissions and draw one at random on a quarterly basis. Uh, Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Uh, You can also find it on darkdiscussions.com. There's a Patreon badge on every page. Just click on it, and it'll take you right to where you can sign up. 
Indeed, indeed. And any uh, donations are greatly appreciated. So thank you in advance um, and whatnot. So fortunately, I was on mute right then when you were saying all that, Eric, because Ceres had to start speaking again. It's been happening to me often for some reason, and I don't know why. She really likes you. Yeah, I guess she's, so. she's uh, it's, it's the, the Megan thing. She's coming to life. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Anyway, uh, a couple of. Uh, other things. Uh, today is February 16th, 2023, that we're recording this. Uh, so a couple of days after Valentine's Day and uh, the unfortunate passing of Raquel Welch at the age of 82. Uh, so rest in peace uh, to her. Uh, it's unfortunate, but... Um, People get old and die. Unfortunately. Yeah. See, so the, the part that hurts, uh, it's not that she died at 82 that that that's you know it's i'm sad she died but the part with that hurt was hearing she was 82 because that just made me feel really old well you are yeah <laughs> yeah like i heard she died i was like oh what was she six still we shit yeah yeah <laughs> i'm old yeah. and tim mccarver was 81 he just passed away yeah uh, the baseball player and announcer and oddly they're both just a year or two older than our president so that's scary too but that doesn't matter that one of the greatest leaders of all time was conrad adenauer and he was president of the west germany and is to his 90s on a side note um we may i'll talk to barrett after this do a halloween boutique psychotronic reviews episode possibly of uh a tribute to her uh but we'll 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 see i may, i just threw that out no pressure not even recorded it publicly yeah. <laughs> anyway um on a, on a side note um uh the other thing is um i think that was it all right oh yes mystic mystic uh we do a meet up the dark discussions podcast meet up yearly and uh this year 2023 we're doing it the weekend of august 11th 12th 13th and 14th in mystic connecticut um so if anybody who wants to join us uh, we usually have a, a good group of folks that show up. Uh, we have uh, spouses of our, our co-hosts, as well as uh, some other podcasters like Leo Pond of the Dorkening. Uh, this year, it appears that Holly Masiak is going to be joining us. Um, That's what you said last year. Yes, yes, but uh, she emailed me uh, yesterday and said uh, this is this is uh, the year that she'd probably be able to do it. So, I hope uh, so. I hope so. I'd love to meet yes. her. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get to meet the whole Masiac crew. So that would be kind of cool. Should be coming. Yeah, it's about Chicago. time she got beat. She got to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> she's, she's familiar with the area because she has come to uh, Rocky Horror Convention, which is in Providence, Rhode Island, which is only about an hour away from Mystic. Uh, so uh, she's been in the area before. But uh, either way, uh, if you need information on that, and I have to contact uh, Holly again because she asked for some details. So I got to contact her later but um you can email at dark discussions at aol.com and type in mystic uh in the subject and uh, we'll send you further information or you can just contact any of us on facebook uh including the dark discussions podcast facebook group page uh you can post there as well and uh, we'll uh, answer all your questions uh so uh heads up there 
Um, and I think that's pretty much all the house cleaning. If we do have uh, any other news or we want to talk a little more about Raquel Welch and her career or anything like that, we will do so at the end of this episode if we do have time, depending on uh, how long we discuss our topic tonight, which leads us to our topic tonight. So, uh, Eric, uh, what are we going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we're talking about a movie currently at theaters, the latest from director M. Night Shyamalan called Knock at the Cabin. Hi there. Can I talk to you for a little bit? You have to come inside right now. There were four of them. What did we say? You shouldn't make things up when we're talking about... Can you open the door, please? They're breaking in! We're not here to hurt you, but you have to stay here in the cabin with us. Families throughout history have been chosen to make this decision. Your family must choose to willingly sacrifice one of the three of you to prevent the apocalypse. We're not sacrificing anyone. For every no you give us, hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. Close your eyes. Will you make a choice? You have to somehow trust us. We're normal people just like you. It doesn't matter. None of us believe you. We will never choose anyone. The rule is that no one's allowed to leave until you choose. Do you really think it's all just a coincidence? I have to believe that. My son is gonna die. His name is Charlie. As a mother, I am begging you. You're the only one who can stop them. Andrew, I saw something. There was something in the light. And I feel it now. Given the chance to decide the fate of everyone. Time's running out on the world. I'm scared. There is nothing more flawed and perfect in this world than our family. Please make a choice. Always together. Always together. I will ask for the last time. Will you make a choice? That's right. Uh, Knock at the Cabin uh, is directed by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, and also the screenplay is by him, along with two other individuals, Steve Desmond and Michael Sherman. Uh, it's based on the book The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul G. Tremblay, which myself, Barrett, and Mike may have met. I've met him a number of times in person, uh, and both Mike and Barrett may have met him without even knowing it because uh, he did attend um, a scares that care, uh, maybe two years ago, I think. Um, but either way, uh, he's a horror writer from, uh, New England, uh, specifically, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, the film stars Dave Bautista, uh, Rupert Grint, uh, Jonathan Groff, Ben Eldridge, Nikki Amuka Bird, Kristen 
Kyle and Abby Quinn. Uh, the film's cinematography uh, is Jaron Blasky, as well as Lowell A. Meyer, and edited by no- Noemi Katharina Preswork. Uh, the film was a universal picture. It was released on February 3rd, 2023, everywhere. Uh, the film uh, had a budget of $20 million and has received $40.3 million worldwide uh, in total. The film um, is, uh, is almost out of theaters, uh, but it should be there, uh, at least on the um, uh, smaller uh, theaters, so uh, you can still probably catch it there. Uh, the film is getting around 68% approval rating by critics and about 60% by audiences. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it I got there. So uh, I just find that number kind of funny. What, what's the critics rating on it? A 68%. And I think of Skinamarink and I go, oh, my God, what in the hell? <laughs> right. <laughs> This is true. This is true. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it the website that is uh, two out of four. I think Roger Ebert saw it. Yeah, yeah. RogerEbert.com before he passed. Uh, He he set up his little empire there, and then uh, the the company continued on after his passing. Uh, So RogerEbert.com, the review by Nick Allen, two out of four stars. All right, so I guess we can go around and discuss uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. Uh, so let's start with you, Barrett. Uh, I really like this film. I did read the book, so you know I was doing a bit of comparison, but um, just taken on its own, I really liked the movie. I thought the acting was really good. I liked the cinematography, and I thought Dave Bautista did an amazing job um, in, in his role. Uh, so I, I think it did a pretty good job, whether it'll be, you know, in my top five at the end of the year, it's hard to say. I wouldn't say it's the best film I've ever seen, but I really enjoyed it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I heard about it because it, uh, started appearing as a trailer at theaters, um, and I did not see the trailer, but uh, I because I try to avoid them, so I, I didn't pay attention and whatnot. But when it came out on trail, that's how I heard about it because I, I wasn't really too much uh, following um, what is coming. I, I usually don't. Uh, don't ask me why. I just don't. Um, so uh, pay it at theaters. Uh, we looked at it, and Mike said, "Let's wait a week to make sure that." it gets good reviews before we, we go and check it out. And it did get half decent reviews. Yeah. He also said, let's check out this better rated film, Skinnamarink. No, Fuck no, it. he didn't say those things. <laughs> this is all a, cause Phil was the one who was not enthusiastic. I thought we'd set up that we were going to do this. Yeah, no, I, I, I threw I that out. Oh, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, Mike, Mike, you throw me under the bus. Yeah. I said, yeah, I am. Cause I remember that conversation very well. I do too. I said, all right, so I assume we're just going to do this film, uh, the ca- uh, knock at the cabin. And then you specifically said, let's wait a week to just make sure that it's good. Maybe one of us will see it before we, no, 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 no. Barrett was there. He heard it all. I don't want to be involved now. So just to say the truth. Just say what what, what the truth I remember was. Mike saying we should wait a week to see the movie, but I don't remember I, um, how Skinner Marink. 
Oh, I'm not throwing him under the bus for Skinner. Oh, no, I threw that out there with a bunch of others, and I tried to say we should have... I also said on that one, has anyone seen it, we should probably wait for someone to see it. I'm not throwing you... I'm not throwing you under the bus about Skinner Raddock. All I said was that... Eric, you started I, a fight, man. I am throwing Mike under the bus. All I know is that Mike said, let's wait a week. That's all he, I said. You all I got to say, Mike, unenthused is, about regardless it of the truth, you are getting blamed now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I have no idea what's going on here because all I said was, okay, that sounds fine, Mike. We can wait a week. That's it. That's all I said. Um, anyway, uh, it sounded reasonable, Mike. Your logics worked for me. Anyway, um, so we decided after Skinner and Rink, uh, and that, that film will always just do, jump off a cliff. Us. <laughs> uh, and we decided, all right, let's just do this one next. And because, uh, Mike had seen it and he said it was pretty good or whatever, or, or decent or, or whatever. It wasn't terrible. In other words, uh, I'll let him speak for himself in its first term. Um, so I saw it, uh, this weekend on Saturday night at like nine o'clock uh, showing or no seven thirty showing. And there wasn't anybody there except maybe six other people. So it was fairly empty theater. Um, so um, yeah, it was good. I mean, uh, it wasn't fantastic, but uh, it was good enough. Uh, it has some good things to talk about. Um, I would on, on a side it. note, Phil, our, our theater, we only had one other person in that. And then Titanic, there was nobody else in there. So we had the whole theater to ourselves. How about that? No one at either theater, basically. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, good, that's good for you. Um, yeah. so, you know what that means? <laughs> hands free. So, um, <laughs> uh, um, so I would concur with Barrett. Um, Dave Bautista was really good uh, in this. He was actually fantastic. Um, and I also have to say, and that's the reason why I brought up the cinematographers. Uh, I thought I thought the cinematography for this film was fantastic. Again. It's it's a fairly low budget film and there isn't like any real action scenes to film, but it reminded me of uh, the Clint Eastwood uh, man with no name uh, films from uh, Sergio Leone from way back in the 60s, how he framed his films. And so it had that aspect to it. And I thought that was kind of cool because uh, I hadn't seen that for a while and uh, and and it really worked well for this film here, especially with um, the, the the conversation scenes. Uh, so there's a lot of zoom-ins of faces and stuff, and that's all you see is the face when it, and nothing else. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Uh, but as as a film, it's it's decent. Um, I could see people going either way, uh, liking it or disliking it or hating it or just saying it's okay. Uh, you know, just a true spectrum. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it enough. Um, I would watch it again, uh, especially for Dave Bautista's performance. Um, so, yeah, that, that was my thoughts. I, I don't know if it'll be a top 10 uh, or even a top 20, but uh, it, it's it's by far not a, a bad film. Uh, let's go for you, Eric. Uh, yeah, uh, this was on my radar because it was a new M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, and a couple of channels I follow on YouTube uh, mentioned it was coming up. Um, M Night still knows how to shoot a movie. <laughs> it looks good. Um, I was also impressed with Dave Bautista's performance. He was excellent in this movie, and the acting was pretty good all around. Um, it sounded great. I noticed the sound design right away on the opening shot with all the the insects surrounding me. That was pretty cool. Um, story wise, um, yeah, uh, I I walked out of the movie underwhelmed. Um. I was like, okay, well, that happened. What? 
was the point. <laughs> um, and so at that point, I decided to go read the book. And there are significant differences between the book and the movie. Um, and I understand why the changes were made. But I think it totally changes what everything is all about. So uh, I would recommend that people read the book in addition to seeing the movie. Um, and if I had to recommend an order, I would recommend watching the movie first and then reading the book. But uh, yeah, so I, I thought the movie was made just fine. All the skill involved. Um, I just find the adaptation to be a little bit lacking. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's go with you, Mike. Uh, I like this a lot. I, I, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a, a home run, but I think it's a solid double for me. Um, Batista's where, where I would start with because it, I think it is a, a really, really good performance. Um, and then from there, I just think it's an interesting idea. Uh, yeah, Shyamalan doesn't do a lot of action. If you just watch the superhero films that he's done already, you see he doesn't really do action. Um, he doesn't need a lot of money, right? He just needs actors and some place to put him in. Uh, he can do suspense really well. Um, and I think he does that here. I think the characters are handled. I think it's an interesting concept, uh, which you know, I saw the trailer, and I think that really laid it out, the concept, very well which is just that a family is given a choice to uh, they're told they either have to have to sacrifice one of themselves or the world's going to end. Uh, and the fact that it's a story that a movie uh, that's being built as a horror movie makes you think that, oh, no, there's probably a chance that this is a legitimate thing as opposed to just a group of random psychos. Although that is always a chance. Um, but I think that does a really good job of handling the, the doubt um, and handling the, that random group of psychos so that you have, I think, way more uh, empathy for them, I think, at first, or I did, than I was expecting. Um, because they act as if they this is not a thing they want to be doing. Um, and I thought that was well handled. I thought a lot of this was really well handled. Uh I, I have not read the book. I, I do know the differences or the broad differences between that and the film. Uh, and yeah, this is one of those things like I, I wonder why when you make the, that significant a change, why that was the uh, why, why this was a book you wanted to adapt. Um, but nevertheless, uh, I said I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it worked for me. Uh, if you're expecting a big apocalyptic film, you're not going to get it. But uh I don't think it's 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 M night. You shouldn't be expecting something big. You should expect something character focused. Uh, the one thing I will say that was nice, kind of for a change. Uh, although I think that's it's a little overblown, but there's no big twist. You basically have four choices, which is a there is an apocalypse, or b there is not going to be an apocalypse. And then, A, they will sacrifice somebody, or B, they won't sacrifice somebody. And you basically get one of those four combinations. Um, and so it's just a matter of which one will it be, not, you know, what will be the surprise twist coming out of left field? It's aliens or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I liked it. Just a good, confident film. All right, sounds good. So, uh, Eric, uh, do we have a uh, wiki or IMDb? 
<laughs> you almost did it yourself. The way you said that was really weird. Oh, wiki wiki. <laughs> While vacationing, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. All right. Um, yeah, I guess that's good. It's good. I mean, if if you didn't hear the word apocalypse, you would just think this is a home invasion story, at least at first. Um, but, you know, if you see the trailer or something, it pretty much lets you know. Um, all right. So uh, what folks uh, who are listening uh, should expect, uh, basically what we do here on the Dark Discussions podcast, whether you're new listeners or not, uh, what we do is we have two parts um, that begin now. Uh, basically, what we do is the first part is where we just talk about general things. So we may talk about M. Night Shyamalan, uh, stuff about him, maybe Dave Bautista, uh, comparing this to other apocalyptic films, things of that nature. So nothing that's spoilery, but general stuff that would be of interest to uh, listeners to the podcast. And then at a special point, we will come out and say, okay, we're throwing out a spoiler warning, and at that point, we were going to talk about everything and anything related to the film. So uh, that would include um, spoilers such as uh, specific scenes, changes from the book, as uh, Eric and Barrett and Mike mentioned. Um, maybe basically, uh, well, you know, what it is is we don't just review; we also critique and dissect and try to figure out the meaning of what the writer and director uh, was trying to say. So we may get into uh, things that would obviously bring spoilers. Uh, so uh, we'll throw that out, and you will be warned at that point. But at this point, we can just talk about general stuff. And uh, where do we want to begin? Well, uh, I have a question. So, Mike, you were saying why would you want to do the, the adaptation if you're going to make that big a change? I wonder if it was a studio change, you know what I mean, if that wasn't – necessarily his choice or well um i actually heard uh an interview with paul tremblay he was on uh, the king cast um which is a podcast that talks about stephen king stuff mm-hmm. um and he said that he actually got a call from m night himself uh, uh and that he was the one that informed him they were going to make changes okay so i i, I guess that's not cut and dry that it was m night's decision but he was the one that told the author at least yeah yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and it, and he, it, he, he's the one that, like, that that wrote it. You know, I mean, he's one of the co-writers of the of the mm-hmm. So right. It, yeah. It makes sense. Mike, you were saying something. I said first of all, I don't think M Night is in the position he was in uh, post the happening, where you know he was like, like not ready to do do made for sci-fi original films, but not necessarily all that far away from it yet either. Um, because he had had several notable failures. Uh, I think he's on fairly solid footing, and the fact that his name still uh, carries a little bit of weight um, and has pulled his film, he's able to pull in a decent film on a on a budget uh, and at least make money back. Um, I don't think he's he's he's, he's going to make the movies he doesn't want to make. And the two there's I believe there's two major changes, and all of which affect really how the film plays out for the second half of the film. Yes. And so that feels really weird that he would agree to do something with that significant a change. It's not a matter of uh, just what happens at the ending. And I understand why it's more the, I think it's more the ending that I have that I'm curious about. I can understand the change he made in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll talk about that, but it's just really weird 
It's like, I want to take the thing that you did, and then I want to completely invert it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so it's sort of that, like for me, like taking uh, why did Paul Verhoeven want to do Starship Troopers when he yeah. really didn't like Starship Troopers? Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, um, yeah, I mean, M. Night Shyamalan is, is, is a fairly well-known household name. I mean, he was doing uh, uh, Master, uh, what, no, uh, uh, Traveler Express cards, uh, you know, commercials. He was that big. You know, so it's not like the Gilroy brothers um, that that are pretty really good directors and screenwriters that, you know, no one knows who they are unless you do film, you know, follow film as, as we do. But Shyamalan, he's, he's crossed over to you know, name recognition. So after his bombs, but he's had a, a pretty, a pretty good solid run now for the last three or four years, even if some of his films have been just so, so um, that I think he has the power to, to make these changes himself. So I would think it, it, it was him and, and they do feel like they would be his type of changes, you know, similar to how when Stanley Kubrick passed away, and uh, Steven Spielberg took over the film AI, and you could tell exactly where um, the Kubrick screenplay was versus the, the Spielberg screenplay. Um, and this one here has Shalomans, I guess, taint. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean, you know, his, I think his, fingerprints would be a nice fingerprints. Word. Thank you. That's the word. I was <laughs> <laughs> Better than the taint. On the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I would say it has his fingerprints on it, uh, more than, than otherwise. So that's just my guess. But again, this is, no, just, I, I agree with all that. I just wanted to see what everyone thought about that. So yeah. 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 Curious. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about, and what about I've, I've heard people discuss also that M night seems to have a particularly, uh, a particular take on spirituality that he likes to deliver and yeah. the, the change is consistent with that messaging. Right. Right. So just, yeah. that's just another angle. Yeah. Sure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sh- quite sure his, his religion. I'm assuming it's Episcopal just for the fact that, that um, signs, which Eric, you, I noticed that you and Dan, uh, just rewatched uh, yep. a couple of nights ago. Um, it's a Episcopal priest in that, and and it seemed like he knew the religion really well. So I'm assuming. Well, he went uh, to Catholic school. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. So so he's he's uh, something. You know, he he knows he knows the religions, and uh, he he puts that spirituality into his uh, a lot of his stories. No no doubt. No doubt. Um. So um. Let's see. Uh. So we talked about some of the changes uh, we'll get into further details in the, the spoiler section um uh now that the casting uh was kind of interesting because uh i noticed that this film did get some note uh because of the harry potter uh individual that that was cast which was uh rupert grint mm-hmm. um and uh when i saw the film and i saw him on the screen i was saying is that the kid from harry potter because it kind of looked like him but i wasn't sure and then when i i went back after I said, oh, yeah, it was him. Um, yeah, he got taller and thinner. Yeah. Yes, 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 he did. Um, and then uh, Dave Bautista, obviously, is uh, somewhat well-known. And um, everybody else uh, uh, I, I may have seen, but most of them are, are, are just character actors, though. Um, hey, uh, Phil. Uh, Jonathan Groff was one of the stars of 
Mindhunter? Yeah, what's that? Yes, he was awesome. Abby Quinn was born in Michigan. Oh, no kidding. How about that? Yeah. I just uh, thought I'd mention that since you always mention things. Yes, yes. Yes, <laughs> I do. Yes, I do. Uh, yeah, so one of the stars it was uh, Abby Quinn as well. Um, and, yeah, she was uh, a Michigan native. There you go. Yep. Absolutely. Bloomfield, Michigan, it says. Uh, Detroit Country Day School, she went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh before pursuing a career in Los Angeles. Um, so uh, even M. Night Shyamalan does his uh, cameo, and I liked how he did his cameo in this one. Uh, yeah, it was cool on infomercial. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> and, and he sounded just like them too. He didn't sound like he. You know, I mean, he was actually good at it. I, was, I liked it. Right. Well, I liked the, how the they knife... did it. It was that side kind of view of the TV. You didn't get like this direct on. It was just kind of cool how they did that. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like I, I think like the 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 Nadir for his uh, cameos was uh, the, the Village, where he gives like a long monologue telling you the point of the film and <laughs> it's like there's a, no you know, no no the village he he was at the end he was one of the the, the right the people that worked at the conservation land right but wasn't he didn't he give anyway it's the point is he, when he's not giving himself a, a vitally important role like hitchcock would put himself in films but he would be like walking in the background he wasn't being crucial right. to the plot that's correct. Uh, and Lady in the Water, he's yeah. Later in the Water, he's very crucial to the plot. That's right. Yeah. yeah maybe that's what um, I was thinking about. But yeah. I'd I'd like to shout out Kristen Kui, uh, who was the girl in the movie, um, because Dave Bautista was superb in this movie. Everybody else was good in this movie, uh, including her. And she was outside of the opening scene, kind of a side piece. Um, right. but at the same time, it's really easy for a child actor to be Suck. bad and yeah. distracting. Uh, and she was not, she was when, when she had something to deliver, she delivered it and she was good. And the rest of the time she was unobtrusive, which was exactly what was called for. Um, so I think she did a fine job as a young actor. Totally. Yeah, agree. I would concur. It, it was a excellent, um, uh, person to uh, place bet- with uh, Dave Bautista um, yeah, at the beginning of the film. Yeah, yeah. It looks exactly. like he could just step on her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's another thing that, that was really good about Bautista's, speaking of, of casting, Bautista's casting was is he's huge, right? I mean, he's a, he's, mm-hmm. he's a professional wrestler in the past. Um, he could crush all of us. You know, All four of us could fight him at the same time and we're dead. And 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 you know he has the tattoos, and yet, yet he has the dorky glasses on and stuff. So you don't know, but there's just something ominous about him just because he's huge with the tattoos, mm-hmm. right? So it was a perfect casting for the introductory antagonist, if you want to call him an antagonist. Um, so I, I thought that was great. And then of course, as Mike mentioned offline a couple of times in the past week and a half. Um, he showed that that he can actually act like really good. And again, we, we've seen him act in the past uh, because he was really good as the lead actor in that Zack Snyder zombie film that took place in Vegas. So we, we knew he had some range, but th- this is this is was like like award winning 
range, I thought. Well, and not only was he fantastic in the role, but it was a fantastic casting choice. Um, because having read the book, uh, oh my gosh, the description of the character in the book is like, that's Dave Bautista. <laughs> well, I thought all the characters were really well cast. I mean, for from what was in the book, I thought they mm-hmm. all... I, I was just assuming that Dave Bautista's character wouldn't be a dead-on description of him. That's all. <laughs> yeah, well, right. I, I, I admit when he, he says, my name is Leonard and I'm a second-grade teacher, <laughs> I, I laughed out loud. And um, I don't, like, I've always been uh, someone who supports casting against type. So I wasn't laughing that they cast Dave Bautista as a second-grade teacher. But, uh, you know, given that I have, you know, second-grade kids down the hall from my classroom, I just laughed at, like, these kids coming in on the first day of school and the Hulk is there, you know, to teach them Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. with all these, like the, the, the tattoos from head to toe. And, well, uh, I, I just imagine some children crying. I, you well, know, well uh, the, the thing is, is that, is that, um, and, and I, I don't want to make it sound like it's a stereotype, but based off of my experience years ago, as well as seeing my children in school. Now, most of the, the school teaches, uh, that are second grade school teachers happen to be younger women. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and some of them may have, have tattoos um, or, you know, just out of college type women and whatnot. And so when you, when you see a humongous six foot, I don't know how tall he is. He's probably, he may be even taller than me and I'm six three, uh, but he's, he's most certainly weighs a lot more than me because he's huge muscular. Um, to find that uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's definitely uh, out of, uh, the I guess the stereotype of what a second grade school teacher would be, um, and and as we learn how you know he is truly a gentle giant as the film goes. I don't think that really is a spoiler, but it's it's just an amazing uh, character. Whether it uh, he you know Shalomon cast it correctly or not, but it appears as, as you Barrett and you Eric have said. You know, this is this is what what's in the book too. So it's it's just a brilliant, um, I guess, deflection of what what you feel you're you're going to get from this character as the film goes because mm-hmm. of how I guess Trembley originally created him in the book. So um, let me ask you this, uh, Barrett and uh, Eric, since you guys read the book, is this character similar? Uh, I mean, the, the adaptation for the first half of the movie is spot on spot and, and yeah. list dialogue almost word from word from the book. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. fair enough. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. Uh, well, I think what works about his performance is that he, he you know how, uh, you know, they say that big dogs don't, little dogs bark, big dogs don't because they don't have to. Uh, right. Is that he plays it quiet because he doesn't have to do anything to be intimidating except breathe. Uh, Mm-hmm. He's Dave. He's Dave Batista. He's a, he's a massive, massive mountain of a man, um, and it's more important for him for that character to genuinely display his heart and his emotion, um, rather and his and his kindness as opposed to his anger, uh, because the, the threat speaks for himself for itself. It's just mm-hmm. his existence, his presence alone Perfect. is enough to to do the job. Right. For most of the story, he's trying to downplay any threat he might pose. Right. Right. Yeah. I just looked him up. Um, so he's six, four 
and he's 291 pounds. Mm-hmm. So this is a hulking, hulking, brooding type of character. Oh, and let's that he be plays. clear, he's not overweight. <laughs> right. He's <Yeah>. all muscle. <laughs> There's yeah. no fat yeah. in that 291. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I'm 6'3, I'm so I'm going to just blow him. And I weigh 198. So mm-hmm. he, he's uh, almost 100 pounds heavier than me, but it's all muscle. There's no fat. Yeah. 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 So. But I think the best part of it, too, is that he's brooding and quiet and sad and gentle, um, the character. I, I liked him a lot. Uh, and there, there's there's four guys, four four guys, I mean, four four folks there as well that appear. There's three others, uh, a nurse from Los Angeles, I believe, a young school teacher, another school teacher, I think. Oh, no, no, she's a cook. She's a chef uh, from... Uh, I think it's Washington, D.C. And then he's from, Bautista's character is from like Ohio or Indiana, I think, as a school teacher. And then the third guy, the fourth guy is a, a, a electrical wire guy. Uh, works for an electric company in Medford, Massachusetts, uh, which is uh, the next town over from where my wife grew up. Um, and... Uh, I used to park there all the time because there's a orange T line which goes into Boston. Um, so those are the four characters, and they all have distinct personalities, and they all are dealing with their situation a bit differently, and they all deal with their situation, I think, very realistically as well. Um, and and so I, th- I thought, as uh, some one of you said earlier, that the casting and acting were, were, were spectacular in, in the film, no matter what anybody thinks of the, the plot itself and, and the payoff. Um, what else did we want to bring up that is not spoiler that people wanted to talk about? Well, there's the, the couple, right? So it's a, a gay couple with an adopted daughter. Yeah, um, yeah. Eric and, and Andrew. Eric and Andrew. Yeah. And... I'll admit, I was wondering if this was a thing done in the film. Like, was it was it originally a gay couple? Because, or, or was it uh, a, a heterosexual couple that was, you know, that was gay gay swapped? Because it's the in thing now to do. Um, but it actually works and fits very well with the theme of the movie. It was not stunt casting or or yeah, you know, it's, something it's... done. Yeah. It's right in the book. It's right in the yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. And and there you have two characters who were also very different. Right? And uh, um, those differences, I think, play out well. Uh, where one is a person more, a little bit more of faith. The other one is not, and one is a little bit quicker, maybe to anger. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. One uh, one's angry, and 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 one is is look, looks to the good in the world, while the other one is a defensive person. Right. Right. Yeah. And it takes place in Pennsylvania. It's some some rural lake town in, in Pennsylvania too. Um but yeah, yeah, I I like the the aspect of the two uh in the couple, uh, because they they have completely different personalities when stress is involved. And this is a stressful situation obviously for them. Uh and one is just a angry person, a denier that wants to think the worst 
in all aspects. Well, the other one, and, and I'm not saying that's bad. I mean, you're in that situation. You, you got to do it. You got to think what you're going to think. Um, and then the other one is more kind, more thoughtful, more trying to empathize with, with the people, especially since. And also religious. Maybe, yeah, and, and yes, it is very religious too, and also looks at things the good way, but also understands that these people aren't necessarily bad and at worst are just have behavioral health are let me rephrase that are behavioral health individuals <laughs> um so the, there's no real hate from one while the other one um the situation may you could argue brings out hate and again, that's not necessarily a bad thing because of well, and it's partly because of his past. Not I was going to say I, I don't know if that's how I would classify that. Yeah, uh, I would say it's hate. Trauma. I say it's anger and resentment. Yeah, yeah there you yeah. go. That, yeah. That's that's caused by trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's that's a lot of the reason why um, he has the anger, or is, is most certainly from uh, historical trauma, right? Yeah, uh, or at least that's what the movie's trying to. Mm-hmm try to put portray whether whether that's true or not I, I don't know but that's what the movie states anyway so i'll go with it um yeah and then of course do in much more detail in the book oh it is okay very good and then yeah and we can talk about that in a little bit um also they both have a issue which is they have a little girl that they want to protect and and you'll do whatever you can to protect a girl, whether it's the anger way or whether it's the empathetic way. Um, you, you do what you do and try to figure out how to save your, your family, especially okay. yeah. the child. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, let's see what else, uh, anything else anybody want to bring up that is not spoiler that, that we want to talk about. Anything? I will say that I'm a little bit confused by the R rating on this movie. Um, yeah, because most of the Probably. violence is off screen. So yeah, I, I didn't know. I, I don't far. understand why it wasn't PG well, thirteen. I'll tell you why, because uh, and this is just a guess, because I I don't remember clearly, but I bet you there was more than three f bombs in the film. Could it, be yeah. the, could it be the suicide aspect? Could be that. Yeah, maybe. But, but, maybe. But if you get the f bombs, that automatically gives it an R rating. If you have more than three. Yeah. I thought it was one. I thought you were allowed one for PG thirteen. Yeah, maybe right. So maybe maybe if you have two f bombs, it's automatically R rated, and it was definitely more than one. That's for sure. Okay. Well, in which case, I'll say that's a waste because I, you know, I don't even remember one f bomb. I don't either. Right. I yeah, don't, that's what I'm saying. Were, I don't think they enhanced the story, and they probably could have gotten a lot more people to see the movie if they kicked it down to PG thirteen. Right. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know. The end of the thing when Kurt Russell says, yeah, well, fuck you, too. You know, and we remember that <laughs> well, clearly. Well, well, um, no, it's, it's all in passing, Mike. But but even if they took away the F-bombs, it could be like one of you just said, the the suicide could have been enough to put it yeah, over. Yeah, it could be that, like, I'm just jaded and and don't find the whole thing as disturbing as normal people. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat, Eric. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking whatever. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, I, 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 know, I know somebody at work was a, a young to me, I think 30, uh, one of our new English teachers, and she watched the menu on my recommendation. As I said, mm-hmm. it wasn't much of a horror film, and it, it, it did not go well. Oh, no. <laughs> she found it very disturbing. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? I thought it was the funniest movie of the year. 
Well, you gotta remember, Mike. You, you've seen my tears and inside, and a few others. That it's like, the, the, yeah, you know, but my, I mean, I can watch nothing. something and understand how people find it disturbing. Uh, you know, there's movies where I'll disagree that it's disturbing, but I, I get it, and you know, like I get like with uh, Fresh that that the whole cannibalism thing is gonna weird some right. people out. I, I'll get that part. Well, obviously, Barbarian and Smile, I felt were were pretty disturbing films last year. Yeah, and they were mainstream in theory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I understand that. I mean, you have the 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 the, the, the birthday present and smile. I I you know that that alone. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So um so no, I mean I and I just but yeah, it's just we just see things differently, and sometimes we're a little desensitized to it. In this case, I do think uh, unless you happen to have a master of gore, and I don't really think that's who Shyamalan is. Uh, I think this actually worked better having having the deaths off screen. I oh, agree. that's, not, that's actually, my compl- no, I'm not complaining about that. I just think it's weird. It's rated R. That's all. No, but it has an, that has an impact. And like I'll always laugh. Phil, you know, Scream had that NC-17 rating, and one of the reasons it had that NC-17 rating because spoiler warning: when they kill off uh, Drew Barrymore at the beginning of the film. Uh, they like linger on her face for a minute and they said that they found that too disturbing. And so they removed a few seconds of the lingering on the face so that the murder was less disturbing, which, which, (laughs) which which means that the murder was more gratuitous and therefore could have an R rating, which I find really weird. Um, And I don't think I'm the, I'm I'm not the only one to have picked up on that or or to say that. Yeah, She was disemboweled in that film too. Yeah, but it wasn't the that wasn't what they had a problem with. It was right, the it fact was the that face. there was an emotional impact to it. It's like yeah, that's yeah. the point. Yeah. Oh my god. So who knows? You know, maybe you know, if this was played for laughs, it would have gotten an NC it would have gotten a PG thirteen rating. I don't know. I, I really can't think of it. There was no nudity, so that's not it. Um I don't know if they're it's like, gotta be the F bombs. F bombs, uh, child in danger, and suicide would be the only three things that I could see that would cause this to be mm-hmm. R. Yeah, um, it's probably it's probably the uh, the executions. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I didn't even know the rating, to be honest. Um, but um, it is R, I guess. Uh, anything else anybody has before we get into the spoiler section? Anything? Anyone? Well, all right. So I guess at this point, uh, we're going to throw up the spoiler alert. So at this point, uh, if you haven't seen the film and you do not want it to be spoiled, uh, please go see it and come back and listen to us after. Or uh, if you've already seen the film, you're going to hear more details and other opinions and what we think the concepts were and whatnot. Or maybe you're like some of our listeners like Kevin Letts, who uh, just enjoys our discussions and, and isn't worried about uh, spoilers. So uh, let's get into the spoiler section. So uh, we are now going to uh, talk about everything and anything related to the film. All right. So what do you guys want to talk about? Where do you want to go? Um, I, I mean, I, to me, the my, my fascination is with the adaptation differences, but I think we should hold off on that just in case uh, we can give a secondary spoiler warning in case people want to read the book. Um, sure. So if there's anything non-book really we want to talk about, let's do that first. Okay, so we'll save the super-duper spoiler warning for later. Exactly. 
Right, right. All right, all right. Sounds good. Um, well, um, uh, yeah, I, I, it was, it was tough to. The w- one thing that was tough was was hating, hating a character. Oddly, the, the the character I disliked the most was probably Andrew, because he was the most um, angry and and I used the word hate, uh, but I'll just say uh, what you you guys said, which was angry and upset and and. I don't know, had, well, had yeah, and, and, and that's what you're supposed to get from him. Okay, fair enough. So the other characters, uh, oddly, I kind of liked them all. And at first, they were trying to make the Redman character maybe look like someone you would hate. But then he says something that really resonated with me, um, where where they said um, you have to choose someone to kill in your family to stop the apocalypse. And Redman sa- says this is so terrible because they shouldn't have to make this choice at all. And I, and I, and so I, I can understand why they don't want to. And that was very empathetic. So his character, um, I liked as well because he didn't want to be there at all. And any angry or roughness that he had originally was just because he didn't want to be there at all. Um, so I liked his character too. So uh, yeah, I, I kind of, Liked all the characters, uh, except maybe Andrew, but I do understand why Andrew was a dink in a sense. Mm-hmm. Well, let's also remember Redmond has a couple of reasons to have more anxiety over this than everybody else there. Not the least of which is that, as we find out, he's the first one on the on the firing line. Yeah, that doesn't help, too. You're right. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but he also, uh, you know, since we're in the spoiler territory, he is the person who's responsible for Andrew or Eric. Andrew. Uh, Andrew, Andrew being the way he is because he assaulted him uh, in a bar, hit him from behind with a beer bottle um, because there are two gay men openly professing their love in a non-gay bar, I'm guessing. Uh, and, oh, just a, a standard bar anyway. And, but again, it was like 20 years earlier, right? So Yeah, but it's but the point yeah. being that he's – so he has fear well, about confronting his past here or anxiety right, about confronting right, right. it about this person that he's hurt and maybe he is he, he went to prison maybe he let he's changed his life around maybe he hasn't we have no idea right. uh but we can certainly understand why you know he'd be like oh shit of all the people on the planet that i have to put up with mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. this guy sure, and sure. yeah that's that so that well, also is not going to be useful and, and, and his character makes sense from the perspective that that I know of uh, Bostonian Irish people. Um, so no, it, yes, yes, no. It's not yes. like they made a Super Bowl ad about what kind of assholes live in Boston. <laughs> no, so, so um, um, it, it, it it is the type of uh, experience I've had uh, uh, myself with 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 folks of of that nature. Um, so I, I felt that I. I adapt and, and believe it 100%. Well, However, oh, go on, please go. I, I was just going to say, Phil, the Andrew character, I get what you're saying about him. However, it was clear to me, and I, I, I think it was clear to me in both the book and the movie, although it was explicitly clear in the book, maybe a little more hazy in the movie, that um, the reason Andrew is so hostile is because he is assuming that this is happening because they're persecuting them as a gay couple. That's right. Um, right. And, and the reason he, he is, he has all that anger and hostility is because of the attack um, that he suffered at the bar. 
that that changed his life. And and I, I'm honestly having a little trouble remembering what was in the book and what was in the movie. Well, uh, that, that I got a question about that for you, Eric, because if I remember the book correctly, he wasn't actually with Eric. He was with a friend who wasn't gay and nothing mm-hmm. gay happens between those two. And he just in the book. runs up and yells the F slur and hits him over the head with a beer bottle. Exactly. But in the movie, he's with Eric and they kiss or whatever. So it's right there. Yeah. yeah. Right. But also there are several changes like that between the the book and the movie that make it really explicit where in the book, it's a little more hazy in the movie. And I'm not saying that the guy was right. Redmond's character was right to do so, but he goes over and says, uh, could you keep it down? And, and you know, I, I don't want to hear anything. You know, I'm, I'm trying to jump my friends. Not in the book. Okay, so that's what I was going to say. So they're if, actually in the book, he just goes over and attacks the guy. Yes, in the in yeah. the book, yeah, there's a girl that's hitting on his friend who's not gay, okay. and I think he takes uh, he thinks they're gay maybe and takes offense, but you don't really that's not said explicitly in the book. Gotcha. Well, I think in a film where you only have 90 minutes to two hours to tell your story. You can't get into the characters' heads without forceful exposition. No, no, no. I'm not faulting it. Yeah. Yeah. Is that there were character reasons for Andrew to act the way he was acting. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, there was, this was a thing where this relationship, the characters being gay, um, certainly tied into the theme here. um, And it tied into the fact that one of it is that he's, they're afraid that this is the reason why they're being persecuted, right? Why they've been chosen. Now, we actually don't know why they've been chosen because that's a more metaphysical reason. Then we don't know the purpose behind it, uh, why they're the chosen couple. Um, and we never find that out. Well, and look at the changes but, that Andrew made. He became a fighter and he bought a gun all because of that right. one thing. Right. He learned how to box. He he learned how to shoot. He became a a person capable of violence, which he was not before. Right. Which I want to point out this, this does, since we talked about it a little bit and Shyamalan's beliefs, which I don't really know what they are. I know I was thought I, he was Catholic, but other than that, I didn't know it was that, um, you know, there was a whole thing in signs where spoiler warning for that film was whether things happen for a reason or not. And that actually, I think even goes back to, whether that goes back to um, but if, oh, people's actually, interpretation of what happens in that film, right? You can either believe it's this, and it's all a coincidence, or, is it, or there, there's a meaning and there's a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, well, you can even argue, was there a meaning and a purpose to him being attacked? Because it does put him in a position where he has a gun, where he can fight back, where he can be stronger, and ends up imparting some of that strength then to... Uh, to Andrew to make that choice. So, you know, do these things happen for a reason, you know, um, whether you like the reason or not, are there purposes behind things that happen in life, good or bad? Just like, you know, was there a purpose to, um, Joaquin Phoenix's character, you know, washing out as a baseball player, which ends up putting him in a position to help save his family's lives later. Right. You know, so now, um, let me give you a shout man. He was raised Hindu, but he but he attended the private Roman Catholic grammar school called Waldron Mercy Academy. And then he went to a private Episcopal school 
his the rest of his career. So um, yeah, so he, he's had a lot of different. That sounds like my background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so he was raised Hindu, but he was ra- uh, brought through Catholic and Episcopal uh, education. So uh, that's why we probably see a lot of his uh, his stuff in here. Um, it uh, was part of his his uh, farming, I guess. Um, no, Mike, you were saying continued. Yeah, so so you're right. Faith is uh, plays a lot. I mean, obviously. Signs for sure. I mean, the lead character is Episcopal priest who lost faith that regains faith. So um, now uh, we have other characters here. We have uh, uh, Adrian, who's the chef. She's a young mother of a, a little boy named Charlie. They're probably the same age as um, the Sabrina, uh, not the Sabrina, the, the Wen character. Yep, and. Um, so uh, she empathizes with the little girl and being a, a, ch- a parent. Um, and then uh, we have the nurse, uh, played by Nikki Amuka Bird, uh, that's Sabrina. And um, Andrew immediately believes that she's the, the ringleader, even if Leonard is the one that does most of the talking, because she appears to be um, the most religious of the group. And so he believes that she was the one that probably converted them all to think that they're doing some religious important thing here when he thinks they're just all insane. Um, and then we have, uh, Redmond, as we mentioned, and he's the ex con who's, uh, turned his life around, uh, probably went to jail for what he did at that bar, as a matter of fact, um, to Andrew. And, um, as a, uh, uh, appears to be well-employed, and living a normal life in uh, the greater Boston area uh, as a, um, a lineman or uh, electrical, uh, whatever the electric uh, company people do. Um, and so they all show up, uh, and it's a home invasion film. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's uh, basically they tell the the three, meaning the, the two fathers and when, that they're here to do... Uh, the bidding of, I guess, God, or I, I don't know, because they don't really say God's name much, oddly. So, so it's just something. They just believe that they have to do something, which is the family has to make a choice, and it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's when or one of the two fathers, but they have to choose and kill them. And they can't suicide. They ha- it has to be willing choice, and, and of course, none of them want to kill them. They're, Technically, it could be when too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Absolutely, it could be any three. Of them. Um, I, I want to be be clear. If it's God, it's clearly Old Testament God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or or change of heart God could be the other one. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. 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 Oh, fuck it. I'm put, turning my cheek back the other way. Right. Uh, well, you know, you know, you know, it's kind of interesting. Is is there's an illusion in the film, and and I, I should have wrote it down, but they said it somewhere that I think it was Eric that says it that this could have been happening. All, all the centuries, you know, for generation to generation, where some family every ten to twenty years or fifty years, whatever, is is put in this predicament, and in each case, they they killed one of their family members to save the world. Right, but uh, given the the lack of global catastrophes that we've had over the you know the last couple hundred years, I think some families were given up pretty quick. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, there was a. I was we're not waiting. About a, 
like I was hearing about a recent case where it was a guy who was uh, being investigated for some financial shenanigans. So he murdered his wife and child because he thought maybe they would leave him alone if he just, you know, was a recent widower. <laughs> and it worked. They stopped investigating him for one week and then they went back at him. So but I mean, that. so look, if 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 like a little thing like an audit or whatever it is, a Ruskin is enough to push somebody into murdering their 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 family. Uh, yeah, it's like, OK, you know what, dear? I love you. But uh, why take the chance? You know, that's, well, and and to me, the most interesting part about this movie is is watching everything going down and thinking to myself. You know, because, of course, when these people break into your house and start talking, you're going to be like, well, these people are a bunch of crazies. Um, but after they start seeing the stuff on TV, like Andrew keeps on coming up with the reasons why it's all all coincidence uh, and preplanned. And I like I was sitting there watching it going, OK, at what point would I start to believe? You know? <laughs> well, what's interesting is it turns the faith thing on its head. A uh, good example in the humorous sense is the Monty Python and the Life of Brian, where life where Brian says, um, you know, they're like, he's the Messiah. He said, I am not the Messiah. Only the true Messiah would deny being the Messiah. Huh? You know, <laughs> and, and, and fuck off, oh, Lord. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so no matter what you do, you can't shake off the faith here. No matter what happens, he's finding a way to rationalize his his uh his atheism or agnosticism well, skepticism the interesting thing about that is that he has good reason to as well like it it does the story does a good balance of making you wonder as well like you know I mean, everything he every, brings up is valid it is everything's valid and everything they bring up is valid too to them right so right. it's an interesting dichotomy and i i don't well, know i don't know if i'd start believing or not yeah I, i'm i'm the big skeptic um, I don't believe in any, anything. Um, not even the Greys. I just like them. And <laughs> the thing is, is when you see the tsunami come, even though that's the first one, and Andrew tries to say, "Well, that that was that's pre-filmed," and, and now they're just showing it ten minutes later. They already knew about it, or whatever. I would be saying, oh, you know, you don't see tsunamis that often, and when you do, they ain't like that, you know. Because I remember the one in Thailand, and that was pretty <laughs> bad. But it wasn't like a wave like that. Right. And, it was just the ocean yes, came off. Came in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was like, well, you know, I, I mean, again, this is a horror film. So obviously we're going to know it's it's all real anyway. But if I was in this situation, I would think, you know, this this is this is probably real. I, I, I think I would, you know, and then the, the, the plague, you know, especially if it was pre-COVID and the plagues happened, I would be going, all right. Yeah, I, I would already be on board then. But once the planes, the third one, the planes fall, mm -hmm. that I'm on board 100. percent Well, I think that well, kind of you the one notice that that's when did. Andrew stops trying to explain it. <laughs> that's like, all right, drop the shit on their head now. Um, <laughs> but you can still be skeptical. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just one of those things where it's like, yeah, they're just it's just a coincidence, and it could be. Yeah, this was you this is not just know. a bunch of religious fanatics with a box cutter anymore. You know, this is like planes from all around. Yeah, when the planes are falling. You know, but but I, I'm still with you, Barrett. Which is, you would want to believe it's just fake because, again, the, the only thing to stop it is if I, one of us has to die. And I don't. Well, and when die, you start seeing that they know? were together on a message group, and that's how you know a lot of crazy yeah, people yeah. get they together. They met on the internet. Yeah, they yeah, met on the yeah. internet, and they all fed into their own psychosis, and this yeah. is what came out of it. Right, but uh, and you know, though, I think they should have had all those scenes 
earlier in the film because by the time Andrew brings that up and says, "Oh, the 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 woman from L.A., the nurse, she's the religious kook," and then she, you know, and you know, on and on and on, and and uh, Redman is just uh, here for revenge and blah blah blah. All that was after the plane has fallen, and so it's like, dude, you, you're just you're just fooling yourself. You know damn well it right, is real. Right, right. The planes are falling, dude. The planes are falling. That doesn't happen. <laughs> that wouldn't necessarily convince me, so I don't necessarily agree with well, you. Oh, wow. You're dumb. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just skeptical. That doesn't mean I'm dumb. I just don't necessarily. Anything could be happening. You don't know. Planes are falling out of the sky around the world. That's like, you know. The sun, something could be going on with the sun. That doesn't mean it's an Armageddon. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. If you say so. Man, given the given the prominence of the sun in our unit and our solar system, it could could mean it's Armageddon. Um, <laughs> no, like I've told this story in the podcast a, a long, long time ago, but uh, you know, so I, I yeah, I, I'd like to think of myself as a skeptic. I think of myself as rational. I was raised Roman Catholic, but I, I would probably consider myself uh, very agnostic right now. Um, but uh, you know, I. Remember sitting upstairs in my office late at night, uh, working, and there's just the desk lamp on, and I've got a Newton's cradle, which is that the, the swinging ball thing on your desk, the desk toy. Um, and I'm just typing away, writing up a lesson plan at like eleven o'clock at night, and the Newton's cradle just starts on its own, going tick, 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 tick. tick. <laughs> Must be. A and I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "Okay." <laughs> And now, but of course, I I do the I do the rationalization. I must have bumped into it. Mm-hmm. It was just weird. All right, so I stop it and start going, tick 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 tick, and then I stop it again. I was like, okay, I definitely did not bump into that. Now, my thought was then, look, like, was there a cat? Because you know I have cats, <laughs> and I look. I actually look, get up and look behind the desk. I see nothing. Again, it's late. It's dark. I've only got the one desk lamp on. So, okay. I sit down. I start working. And now it just tick, 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 like loud and aggressive back and forth. And I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to like just what the fuck is going on? (laughs) So it took about three weird tickings of the Newton's cradle for me suddenly to take all that rationality and like stuff it in a bag and go, what's happening? Now I stopped it again, and then as I'm typing, I keep looking over at it, and then I see a little black paw creep up from behind the desk mm. and smack it. And it was Aries, who was our black cat, who I did not see because he's the black cat in the dark room. Mm. There was a rational explanation for it, but if I had not seen that, if he'd given up and walked away. It would have been, you know, an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> um, I have to think, you know, that, yeah, you could rationalize a lot of this away, but I don't, man, you have to be really clinging to that. Really clinging to well, that, and uh, one of the interesting aspects of this story for me is that uh, somewhere in the movie, more so in the book, um, the people who are doing this don't understand why they have to do it either. Uh, and they're also like second guessing themselves at points. Like, is really, is this real? Are we really getting visions or are we just cuckoo? Um, so I thought that was interesting that they, they weren't, uh, while, while they had been given visions, um, later some stuff happens that brings 
everything into question as to did it really happen like that? Or maybe they were being led down a path by one of the members or what what's going on? Yeah. And I've got a, it, here's a thing that I, I, I was thinking of. Um, because I have had some friends who are very, very Christian. And like you said, you don't know if there's this God is this whatever is the implication is this is a religious event, but is this one of these weirdly uh, Hollywood religions where there's no actual deity mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is still a Catholic filmmaker, an English language film made in America, largely for a Western audience, although they'll take money from everybody around the world, Mm -hmm. which means it's probably going to play into a, Christian God, even if that's not their intent, just because that's their audience, which is still going to be predominantly Christian. Let's rephrase um, it: Judeo-Christian. Judeo-Christian. Oh, oh the um, Abrahamic religions, if you prefer. And that's fine. At which point, anybody who actually knows anything about those Abrahamic religions, especially anyone who uh, seriously takes their uh, their belief uh, takes their belief seriously. Uh, would point out that they did this story it was uh, with Abraham and there was that promise to never sacrifice your child again, right? That they would never, that was it, right? That the human sacrifice thing was over. And so this would, so it's, this would sort of fly in the face of it being a, uh, of a biblical apocalypse thing. It's still a neat story. Don't get me wrong, but I can actually see people who are people of faith actually having a big problem with this because it would be, you know, flying in the face of what their religion teaches. And, Sometimes people of that stripe have trouble suspending their disbelief when it comes to issues of faith. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, and there were some scenes too that may, were interesting because when, when like the the both the nurse and Leonard both say these, this is exactly what we saw in my, our dreams, and then then when Leonard starts repeating the. The newscaster before the newscaster even speaks. That was pretty awesome. And that was, that like, was pretty awesome. Yes, that was pretty awesome. Um, that's what I was doing to my wife when I was watching uh, Titanic this weekend at, at the theater. Oh, I'm sure she loved that. Oh no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but sure she didn't want to punch you at all. No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, uh, but either way, um, I, I wanted to ask this question here because I, I did read some some not reviews, but uh, just critical things online here and there by I guess editorialist people and and not just random bloggers but like you know from medium not I, I'm not actually I don't even know but some websites a few websites out there I don't know what they were called um and they were trying to say that this film was trying to be pro religion and and therefore quote unquote and I know Barrett's going to roll his eyes when he hears this right wing this film was right wing and what? I know. Is that nuts? Is that stupid? I, it's like, for some reason, because they portraying religion and that it was real, that the religion was correct, then it was a, a right-wing film. This is what that these people are saying. First people, of all, right-wing doesn't necessarily equate to religion anyway, so that's just a stupid statement to begin with. Right. So... Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I know where where they're coming from because nowadays there's this a line in the sand, and if you're on one side of the sand, you're left wing, and on the other side, you're right wing. It doesn't even matter how close. Well, you if are you're incapable of critical thought, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Barrett, I do. Uh, the the one thing I will say is that there that actually is a 
big dividing line in this country in terms of predicting electoral it is, habits. but it's, it doesn't necessarily equate. It doesn't. No, it doesn't necessarily, but it's just like not, you know, it's look, there were this last Super Bowl. I heard there were people who complained that it was too, too right wing. And there were people and because there was all these like pro military things. And then people were complaining. It's all woke nonsense because like they had, you know, Rihanna and they had the, the all women flyover thing. So, you know, I figure if you you've convinced people that you're both too woke and too conservative, uh, then you pretty much convinced that you're pretty much playing it down the middle and people are just letting their own fears and paranoia, you know, eat at them. Right. Right. So maybe, maybe the Shaolin did good. That was his intent. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that's I didn't just see people. any of that in there at all. No, I didn't either. I'm just right. saying well, that. Because as you know, the right wing would do love nothing more than to wish for the success of a film that shows a nice, happy gay couple. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, that's the, that's the point, Mike, is that they're saying because the gay couple were the victims and the religious people were the crazies, the, they weren't crazy because they were the ones that were right all along. And well, so that's, literally that's one way to look entire... at it. The other way to look at it is that the gays saves the world. Yeah, they missed the entire <laughs> point of the film. <laughs> Another way to look at it is those editorials are just a bunch of assholes. Yeah, that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, yeah, that's all I'm looking at it too. Yeah, but I just wanted to bring it up because it, it was a noted people thing. People now, I, I just I'm with Derek. They suck and they're stupid, and you know I'm tired of listening to them. <laughs> yes, yes. That doesn't mean us, our listeners, should be tired of us, though. No, uh, we're talking. Yeah, no, not at all. Not um, <laughs> now, uh, um, so yeah, where do we want to go? Um, the so what happens is if they don't choose someone by a certain point, and it's just random, the the, the point. It's not like by 3 o'clock, they just... They don't tell us the times, yeah. but they, they yeah, know when the say, times are. I don't think are. it is random, because yeah. they're constantly checking... The, like Dave Bautista is constantly checking his watch. He's yeah. on a schedule, but we don't yeah. understand the schedule. Well, and that's right. one of the things brought up, is that he must know something already, and that's why it's not real. Yeah. That's one yeah. of Andrew's points. So yeah, well, and that, another thing that's cool about the the antagonists, if you want to call them that, is none of them want to be there. Right. They don't want to do this to these people, and they also don't want the people to not make the decision because they know they're going to have to kill themselves. So <laughs> it's it's a no win situation for Leonard's group as much as it is for well the couple the the family. And they also believe what they're selling. They believe if if the yes. family doesn't make this choice that the world is going to end. Right, right, right. So not only do they know that they may all have to die, but if they don't in other words, if they if they don't make the choice, they're all dead. In the, meaning the antagonists, and that's not good. And if they do make the choice, then at least the world saved. So, at least in their eyes. So, they're screwed completely if they, the family doesn't make a choice. And then, for some people, especially um, Leonard and Adrian, because they're the ones that talk about it the most, if they don't make the choice and the world does go to the end, even if they die because they have to suicide, 
the problem is is that they have loved ones that they don't want to die because of the apocalypse. So Adrian has her son Charlie. Mm-hmm. So even if if Charlie becomes motherless, there's still a chance that Charlie could have a life if there's no apocalypse. And then Leonard has all these students that he he uh, adores, and he doesn't want to see them all die either. So, well, it's even worse than that because. They could say no up until the last one kills themselves and then say yes, and then their deaths were kind of sucky still. Because <laughs> they yeah. could all be dead and they made the choice after yeah. they let them all die. Right. At least that's how it is in the movie, right? I don't know how it, that mm-hmm. works in the book. We'll get that's how it, yeah, Eric, um, I'm curious in the book, um, if they dealt with the parents the way they dealt with them in the film, that we, we meet uh, Eric's parents at dinner. Like, well, I guess when they kind of come out or, or something. Um, they don't no, no, actually, 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 I think it was Andrew's parents. No, it was, it was Eric's parents. Oh, really? I, I, was, I swore it was Andrew's parents because Andrew was the... Eric no, it was, the, it was the judgy Eric's. religious parents. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. All right, yeah, so so was that in the book, that scene? I don't remember it. It's in the yeah. book, The Meeting with the Parents, um, I believe. But I don't remember it very well, so because it goes back to one has the the mother who is supportive, uh, and the other has the parents who are not, right? Um, and that again can go further into explaining the different characters' worldviews and uh, how they respond to events. If we want to get into the differences between the book and the movie, we can do that. I just wanted to do it secondarily. Sure, sure. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we want to do that to... now? Sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, all right. So secondary spoiler warning for the book. Yep. <laughs> Mike and Phil, are you okay with being spoiled for the book? I told yeah, you I already I, know what happened. Okay. I read the Wikipedia page okay. on the book. Um, so basically, the, the, there's the huge difference between the book and the movie. Uh, well, there's two huge differences. Um, one huge difference is that in the middle of the story uh, – when is killed <laughs> while uh, while Leonard and Andrew are struggling with a gun and goes off and she gets shot and dies instantly shot in the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I understand why that would be a bit much for a mainstream audience and why they made that particular change. But also, like Mike said, if you if you know that's in there and you want to ma- adapt it, why are you why are you adapting it if you don't like that? Um and the other huge change is because that happens, um, like the next thing that they turn on TV, like Leonard turns on a TV to see if something else has happened and um, the planes are falling out of the sky. And he says that doesn't count because it wasn't on purpose. You didn't make a choice. It wasn't a sacrifice. It's just a horrible thing that happened. She just died. Um, <laughs> and so uh at the end of the book, instead of the ending we get in the movie, um, where all of a sudden Eric has this this clarity and decides to to take the bullet literally um, to save humanity, um, they take one's body uh, and they leave, and they're basically like, you know what? If there's a god who's doing this, and and they chose to take one, and that's not enough, then fuck God and fuck everybody else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and they drive but, away. <laughs> I wonder, but you know what? I don't know how it is in the book, but in the movie, they said, even if 
you all survive and you choose not to sacrifice, the apocalypse will happen and you folks will suffer and survive in agony, you know, in, because you're in the apocalypse and, mm-hmm. and you, you can't get out of it. So it's basically like Cain walking the earth forever or whatever. But in his so, vision, they were all three there, <laughs> not just two of them. So, right. Oh, that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. But there's yeah. still the whole it, idea of freedom of will, of free choice. And so that's a, that was a possibility. It was a possibility he could have avoided um, had they made the sacrifice. So there was, Maybe. so since there was one way to avoid it, there was also therefore no guarantee that all three of them were going to make it either. Well, and in the book, it's left up in the air as to whether it's actually the apocalypse or not. You get no right. solid Is confirmation. It supernatural or not. You don't get a confirmation like you do in the movie. Right, right. Yeah. And you don't know if they're going to be forced to walk to earth in, in what the right. space you, you don't hell. Know, yeah. You don't know if they're are driving off into the apocalypse, or if they're driving through a storm to get to their Syria where everything's fine. Right, right. I don't know either. So it's just ends like that. Right, right. Very Which I find endlessly more interesting. Yes, <laughs> for sure. In the movie, personally. Right, right. Much right. of a happy ending, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie is is a happy ending. Um, while the book is more interesting. Yeah. yeah I mean, a happy ending in which yeah, thousands well, right, and maybe millions of people have died. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You know. Right, right. Well, and there's so, another difference in the book that I think is significant enough to mention, um, which is that in the movie, you get absolute confirmation that Redmond is the person that attacked Andrew when they pull out his driver's license. Right. In, yep. in the book, they never make that confirmation. They don't have time. The, <laughs> the Andrew, Andrew's like, that's the guy that attacked me. And Eric's like, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and and he doesn't have his driver's license on him, so they they never yeah, confirm so that never in the book. Yeah, right, yeah the right. book is much more ambiguous in its ending. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I kind of was bummed when when they looked and saw that O'Bannon Redmond was O'Bannon, because it would have been more interesting to never know. Yeah, if if it was just paranoia or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, because then it made you – none of them were necessarily reliable. Right, Eric had exactly. his head hit, so he wasn't necessarily reliable. He was thinking he was seeing things like, you know, mystical things. The figure in the light. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then, he saw something in the mirror. I didn't see that in the movie because I wasn't looking for it. So I wonder if I rewatched the movie if, if we actually see something in the mirror. It was it's very, very hard to tell. Yeah, It was very vague. Could have yeah. been anything. And right, I think right. that's how it is in the book, kind of, too. He yeah. thinks he sees something that looks like a man that's walking in the background or whatever. But, you know, he's hurt, too, and he, he acknowledges that. So he doesn't so in, know. So in the movie, he, I mean, in the book, he has a concussion as well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a major part of the story. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. Um, let's see what else. Um, well, also in the book, when 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 dies it it destroys leonard like, like he, he, he did not want that to happen and he what, what, what happens again when when dies because uh leonard oh. and andrew are struggling over yeah, the gun yeah. and, and the gun and, goes off and leonard, leonard is devastated yeah leonard's just completely devastated the other thing that does is it makes andrew's 
obstinance even that much greater because there's no way he's going to let this go at this point Mm -hmm. because she's been killed. So whether he was going to start to believe or not, it doesn't matter because she's been killed. Right. 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 Yeah. And especially when the death was meaningless because it wasn't a sacrifice. Right. Right. That just makes him even more mad. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Also, um, in the movie, um, when Andrew gets the gun, I was kind of surprised he didn't just blow away a Sabrina at that. He let her, she runs and he, he lets her run. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have taken her out. At that point, I probably would make that decision too. Yeah. Maybe like at the beginning, maybe not like before anybody dies. Right. You know, yeah, maybe exactly. just try and get her to yeah. behave. Trying to um, remember yeah. that order in the in the book. How does who gets? I I seem to remember it not happening the way they showed it. It's, in it the, yeah, it's different in the book. Um, Sabrina is the last one to go in the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Not Leonard. Okay, interesting. Yeah, right. It's the, yeah, still the first, and Adrienne's still second. But then Leonard goes, and then Sabrina is the one at the end, and she actually helps them find the keys to the car. Um. But stashed yeah, with the keys is a gun that Redmond had put there that nobody knew about, and she uses it to commit suicide. Yeah. And, and Adrian, what was it? Adrian what was, was shot by Andrew. What was it? What was it that Sabrina kills herself with? A gun that Redmond had oh. hidden along with the keys of the truck. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I would, um, it makes sense that Sabrina, because Sabrina was based off of what Andrew says a number of times, it makes it sound like Sabrina was the ringleader and not Leonard um, because she was the the one that supposedly was the religious one and, and got them all together originally or something. At least that's what it was implied in the movie. And it seems that's how it well, was. And in the book, they go into much more detail about uh, some of the visions that, that they had. And, gotcha. and am, am I remembering correctly, Barrett, that Sabrina was the one that had like the, kind of blackout and she ended up and taking a journey she wasn't planning. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She just appears where she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. So, um, the, the thing about, um, uh, well, you know, you know, I, I think, I think Adrian's death was the most devastating because she when was the, a mom. In the book, she wasn't that nice. <laughs> in the book right. she's kind of a bitch and you don't feel as bad for her when she dies oh okay yeah because, because in the movie she was she was nice as can be right yeah not in the book at all gotcha. she's she's probably even more mean than redmond redmond comes off as a dick but adrian's just kind of i don't know i didn't like her character <laughs> book right Interesting. i didn't quite feel that harshly about her but there there's a difference yeah gotcha gotcha yeah. Um, let's see. What else did we want to discuss about this film here? Uh, knock at the cabin. Did we miss anything that was on anybody's list? I'm well, wondering why? if there. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Mike. I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. Go ahead. I was just going to say I was wondering if there's any significance, um, from a thematic steam point. Steam point? What's a steam, steam point? point? <laughs> <laughs> I'm making up words. Those are the points um, you get on steam. From a thematic standpoint, um, about the fact that one has a hair lip and has had reconstructive surgery, 
something about appearances or whatnot. Well, um, and they have scars. Her and uh, Eric and mm-hmm. or her and Andrew have scars. Right. Um, and then Eric gets bashed in the head, and they talk about how he's going to have a scar now. Right. Well, I'll say this: it it explains how they were able to adopt her at an older age than because it, I'm assuming she's not a a baby, but more like a one year old, a two or three year old when she's adopted. Um, because um, you know, if you you adopt someone that's, I mean, if you have a hair lip, unfortunately for a lot of folks, especially folks who can't afford necessarily for surgery, she would be unfortunately not adoptable by a lot of people, unfortunately. And then mm-hmm. they, here's a, this, this, this young couple that have the means to, to pay for it. Never mind the fact that at the time that they probably adopted her, it was more difficult for, um, almost, uh, LGBTQ couples to adopt and they even had to lie to the, the adoption agency saying, Oh, uh, I'm, I'm just a friend and the wife couldn't make mm-hmm. it. Um, so they wouldn't get as many questions and it would maybe be easier to get the adoption to go quicker if it is an older child. And so that's what I thought. But again, it could be even something else, which is like you said, Barrett, maybe appearances and, and things like that or, well, I certainly think it's well, there's a logical point which you which you said, which is that a child with a with a, a birth defect is going to be harder to adopt out than one that's without. Um, right. It's going to be harder to adopt if you're a gay couple, especially given that they're they're adopting. Um, uh, it was through a religious organization, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it just makes part, sense was, from a logical point of view. Now, from yeah. a symbolic point of view, um, I think it, you know, for the storyline and the theme about, you know, uh, about their love for each other, you know, this they, that this is a couple who, uh, you know, love the child, you know, regardless of her, how she was different. Uh, right. And maybe you could argue that's that goes in Why with they the were whole. Chosen. Well, I was going to say with that whole gay couple thing, which is that, you know, the, the one set of parents rejected them because they were gay. Uh, yeah. and the one didn't, you know, that the, that our differences, that we should love each other regardless of our differences, that, that, now that may be me coming up with, with bullshit. Um, I don't know. Uh, but it may, that may be what they're going for. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know thematically. This is why we need Christy back. Um, so I don't know where, where it went thematically, um, how that applied in, but. So I think it made sense from a storytelling point of view. Right. Now, Mike, what what were you going to bring up um, before we got onto that topic? There was another thing you were going to say. Yeah, why letting her survive dramatically changes the story, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big um, time. And I think... It comes down to, in the end, what story did he want to tell? And so in this case, uh, and I took a nihilistic story and turned it into a hopeful story. And that's why, see, this isn't like, if, I'm, I'm trying to remember, Eric, you can help me out here. Did Matt Hooper die at the end of Jaws in the book? Do you know? Uh, I don't think he did. 
Okay. But uh, we certainly I'll look seen, it up while you, while you do it. Seen movies where, like, a character dies, and then at the last minute they survive. Uh, how about Jeff Goldblum in, um, or Ian Malcolm, I should say. Yeah, Hooper's killed, Hooper's killed in the book. Is he in the book? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hooper's killed um, by the shark, which is in the anti-shark cage. Okay. However, but this the, is changed for the film adaption. But whether he lives or dies fundamentally doesn't change that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right. Um, Jeff Goldblum's character, the Ian Malcolm character in Jurassic Park, dies um, near the end of the book. He survives in the movie, but because he's injured and he's laid up, he has no real role in the rest of the film. So that also doesn't change that story, um, other than the fact that he gets to survive for the sequel. Oh, and same with same with uh, the the grandfather character. He survives, and then they and yeah. but they kill him off in the book. And then also the 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 trainer, the guy with the the gun that that looked I, like that, that uh, Australian accent guy. He survives in the book. I, I but think I know where off. Mike is going with this, but you got to let him get there, Phil. Yes, I'm sorry. All right. We were <laughs> talking about case, another book, and so I, was, I, was, I went off. Of letting the this character survive changes the point of the story. Oh yeah, changes changes mm-hmm. the story completely. So my first question is, um, again, is like, why? <laughs> and do you think that's for the better or for the worse? I have answers to both those questions. Uh, the easy one is, I think, is for the worst. <laughs> um, and the first one, the why, and I think it's because uh, Shyamalan clearly has. Um, a belief that he likes to convey in his films um, that everything happens for a reason. And he did that in science, right? And here he's completely changed the story of the book um, to not be nihilistic and be like, Hey, uh, this all happened for a reason. So they could save the world. Um, Cause that's God works in mysterious ways or whatever. Um, and I think that was probably a Shyamalan choice um, because he's he's big on that messaging. That's my personal take. Right, because I was talking about this uh, offline, I think, with you, Barrett, or, or Sean, or you, Mike, somebody. Or maybe we even talked about it online uh, on the podcast episode, which I think we may have actually when I think about it. But the Rise of the Cordyceps Infected podcast that we do, um, there's a child that dies in that. And Spoiler alert, thanks. And uh, you meet a couple well, of them, though. So yeah, yeah, there's dozens of them that die in that one. But so it's not really spoiling in what episode. Who knows? Um, but it, it's late. It's not. It's not the the beginning. But either way, um, we were. To, I said we were doing a film this coming Thursday, which is today, and they made a huge change in that. So what was? Why were they not cowardly to do it? Change it in the film, but not change it in the adaption of the last of us TV series, because that's an adaption too. And you know, w- w- one thing we said earlier today was, well, because you know, you don't want to kill kids in films and, and there's an audience versus, and I, and I brought it up. I go, yeah, but they do it in a book, Mike. And Mike goes, yeah, but no one reads. And that, that may be true too. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is, is they did it fine in the last of us TV show. So I'm thinking maybe it's more like you said, Eric, which is, M. Night Shyamalan just likes to do it his way and this way, and that's the reason. Yeah, well, I don't think funny. it was cowardly. Um, I, I, I think, well, I mean, I think... No, it's all, cowardly it's, to a certain extent. Well, no, it's just not, he can't tell the story he wants to tell if he kills the child off. Mm-hmm. Well, right. that too. That's true, 
Yeah, that's true. For me, it's on the same level as the change of um, I Am Legend at the end of the Will Smith one. It totally changes the point of the story, and I cannot understand why doing it. Yes. Um, Well, no, that I understand because you you want sequels. Uh, (laughs) You you want Will Smith to survive, and um, you don't want don't do that movie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the point. It's the same idea. But that, but that, that was I'm almost certain was a, was a studio thing. Um, I, if I remember correctly, uh, it's been a while. No, see, I mean, I like this story as it is. I think I would have also liked that version of the book. But that is a, like I said, a really, really downbeat and nihilistic tale. I do think here, like in a book, how old is the child in the book? Same age. Eight, I think. Eight. Yeah, same age. Yeah, so about the same yeah. age. Sure. So you're getting in that. It's hard to really get in the head of an eight-year-old, I think. And I mean, you can, but it's not the same. I don't know if you would have the same reaction in the same way. I don't. I don't feel it's as nihilistic as you're saying because one of the strongest points of the, the story in the book is their love for each other. And yeah, it's their love for each other, and then fuck the whole world. I don't know. I mean, it's if you believe what these people are telling you again, it's, you know, it comes down to that. So I just don't feel it's as nihilistic as you do. Well, once you see the planes falling, well, well, it just, well, I I don't know. I'm not going to relitigate that. I'm just saying that I I think it's not as nihilistic as. Well, well, let me rephrase. That's, that's where I was getting at, Barrett, which is, I guess, killing a child, I guess could be you know the, the the old joke 20 years ago was don't kill the dog and don't kill the child in a movie kill everybody else but don't kill the dog or the child they so both in jaws and that's why it rules right right, right. <laughs> but but um here maybe that's what they're following don't kill the child or don't kill the dog and there's no pet so it's just don't kill the child so well like, like i said i understand the, the child why the change was made because yes once a movie gets to hollywood they're, they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna kill an eight year old girl on screen. Um I I I get why that choice was made. It's it makes all sorts of sense in trying to but, present this movie to a mainstream audience. However, but, I think it weakens the story substantially. Right. And I'd say why I think it weakens the story, because for example, when you have a story like say say you have a, a story about a, the city and this this woman is walking down the street with her child in a carriage and there's a gun shot and it's just a stray bullet and it hits the child, kills the child. And then you have a whole movie about this mystery of solving who, who, what happened Mm -hmm. and who shot and all this other stuff. And that's essential to a story. And that would be an interesting police procedural story and all this other stuff and whatever. And here, the, the the girl dying, at least in the book, as Mike's point, is that that's huge and, and impactful for the, what the novel or original tale is trying to say. Mm-hmm. So why change it except that you just like the first half of the book because you thought that was a cool idea. And then after that, it's like, OK, once we get it, we just change it to whatever the book we want. was fairly popular, popular and they wanted to make money. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I believe me, I'm not I'm not saying these things with okay. any belief behind what I'm saying. Right. I'm right. saying these things with a belief of that's how Hollywood works, because right. all they fucking care about is making money. Right. So right. I think the catch is I think it's my point with always that the girl is our viewpoint character. Only at the beginning part of the film. 
Only in the, only in the beginning. Um, because not, yeah, Eric in the, made it, not in the book. Eric made <laughs> no, it. Not in the book. book. Right, even, and that's kind of my point. Is I think that no, but even even Eric made a good point, which is the moment they get into the house. She's a, a secondary and background character, and they used her, her the actress perfectly because of that. So, I, I I don't necessarily agree that she's our point of view. But continue, Mike. I think also just the visual of killing a child, which is a little different than maybe how you carry it off in the book. People are going to have a oh, yeah. different visceral reaction watching it on screen. And if you're trying to go for the whole blending, you need to have them have a reason, something to do the sacrifice for. And so if she's dead, I find it less believable that the sacrifice is going to be made because who are they sacrificing for? Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it becomes necessary. At that point, they're just killing the person they yeah. love so they can possibly be alone for the rest of their life. Exactly. Having their loved ones dead. Right. You know, it's if, you know, if Phil was put in this position, since Phil has, has two daughters, um, but he's put in this position after his two daughters are dead, um, I don't think that he has, not to speak out of turn for you, Phil, but um, I don't think that you have as much motivation to make a sacrifice that the thing you would sacrifice for has already been taken away. Yeah, I would probably I mean, I, I mean, I don't know that you're going to make the, I know that you're going to make the sacrifice for Eric, is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I was saying well, earlier. Well, Mike, you're the one earlier said, was... you, you trip us for the bear, so what are you talking about? Um, yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Once she's dead, his motivation's gone, and he just becomes angry, and it's not going to yeah, work vengeance. with them. You become vengeance, I would yeah. think. Yeah. And so I really think it just comes down to it's for the story he's trying to tell. and Oh, no doubt. That's and it is, again, it's telling a very different story. And sure, I think when I was younger, I might have preferred because, oh, it's cool, man, everybody dies. But I think, I don't, I mean, apocalyptic endings aren't anything new to me anymore. Uh, so I don't know that I have a preference as to which way it goes, because I could have, would have enjoyed either one. No, I, I see your point, Mike. I see your point. Yeah, I enjoyed I, both directions. It's just there is a book, and I thought it was more effective. Right, but I right. Thought and, and it's I, good. I could see people who are fans of the book be disappointed, for sure. Now, well, for, they, as you all know, there's like, very, very rare instances where people say, you know, the movie was so much better. Right. <laughs> right. No, right. no, no, but 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 you can still have an adaption that is close to the book even if the book is better, right? So, but this is a completely well, change. This is a to me, the big difference is when you finish the book, you're left wondering about a bunch of things. Um, was it all real? Was there actually something happening? Was there an actual apocalypse? Was it God? Did they actually have visions? Um, you know, are the are is the world ending? You don't know any of that, and and you're pondering it, and and wondering uh, what the whole thing was about. Where in the movie, you're like, okay, so it was absolutely happening. They were sent by God, and they made the appropriate sacrifice to save the world. And okay, that happened. <laughs> it's a little less satisfying. Let's just yeah, <laughs> at least that's how I felt at the end of the movie. I was like, all right, so what was the point of all that? I uh, I don't know. Yeah, the ambiguity is what makes the book just a tad better. Well, and that's unfortunately one thing that audiences hate is ambiguity. Uh, but of course, in, in, 
Yeah. In, in fairness, uh, that was one no, of the No, and like I said, I, I understand the why they made the changes for a mainstream audience. I just don't like them. Right. But I would say that that's also one of the reasons we hated Skinnamarine, right, is that the ambiguity was fucking <laughs> awful. Right, right. Well, well, you know what, though? So the, way, the way that Eric and, and, and Barrett have discussed um, the ambiguity of the book kind of sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Because was Redmond O'Bannon? Was the apocalypse really happening or were these people just crazies? You know, on and on. So, I mean, obviously the planes fall out of the sky in the book too, so you probably gather that it, that it is an apocalypse. But, again, at the end, you still don't know. They're, they could just be driving away. Well, and it takes a really long time in the book to get to the planes falling. So at one point, because I had seen the preview, so at one point I'm going, are the planes ever going to fall? Because that will definitely be like, make it even more ambiguous, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's uh, a shallow man film. Absolutely. His fingerprints on it. And it is, um, I don't yeah, think it's so a bad movie at all. I, I I didn't like not enjoy the movie. I enjoyed the movie, but yeah. I think it's it's mid tier Shyamalan. You know, it's not a disaster like the happening, uh, oh. but it's nowhere near you know signs unbreakable or the sixth sense either. No, but, and that's honestly that's his that's the Shyamalan curse, right? Is that he breaks out of the box the sixth sense, um, then he does Unbreakable, which is a box office disappointment, but has a huge cult following. And then he follows that with signs, which is massively Huge. successful. Yeah. And for a young filmmaker, which is what he was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. <laughs> American Express. Yeah. I remember doing yeah um, you know, is that is a that's a huge, huge weight on your shoulders. Whether Yeah, they were calling him the next Spielberg. Him. I remember I was talking right. to the guy that I was working with back then. And he didn't believe it. He goes, this guy is not going to be no Spielberg. I go, I don't know, dude. He's pretty good. And then he did have the bombs. And, and the guy said, I told you. I go, yeah, yeah. So he's good. And he's, he's a great director. He'll be remembered. And and actually, actually Spielberg's had bombs, too. So so he's, you can still argue that he is a Spielberg. But my point is, is that after those three films, it was looking like he was just going to have uh, the best films ever for eternity, right? I mean. But boy, did he prove that wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Found, I still haven't seen it. Like I, I don't know what it was. If I just had a sixth sense, ha <laughs> um, ha. But, <laughs> but like I just had an innate uh, instinct to not go see his his worst movies. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, me too. Lady in the Water, The Happening, and uh, Avatar. I liked Lady I, in the I, Water. I, never, I, never I did not like those. The Happening. Uh, was like it that. Avatar? Oh, it was it called Avatar? A- Avatar last, the Airbender. Yeah, the last, it was, yeah, it was just Avatar. the last Airbender because they they yeah. didn't want to because they didn't have the rights. Right, right, right. They didn't want to confuse it. So I yeah, thought the right, movie yeah. was fine, but I never read any of the stuff or you know comics that are. I actually did end up seeing the happening just out of sheer morbid curiosity, and oh, boy, did so I bad. regret that decision. Yeah. Yeah, but I'll, I will still defend scenes from the happening. Yeah, you know, like there's. Fair. There's the scene when they're on the street and they're watching like the gun get passed from person to person as they commit suicide. Um, there are moments in that film that work. It's the problem is that all the connective tissue is god awful. Um, and still my favorite episode probably of um, 
horror, etc. Where they're supposed to be reviewing a Nightmare on Elm Street film, but Ted had just—that's <laughs> funny. But Ted had just watched the happening, and so they keep like, but back to Nightmare on Elm Street five or whatever it is they're talking about, and then Ted's like, and then he does this thing with the wind, and then you know, <laughs> it, it was hysterical. It was funny. Um, because they had just, and then like after that, I think I listened to their episode where they're, because uh, I was just kind of going through randomly, I listened to their their podcast where they had talked about the, singing the praises of Shyamalan <laughs> and, oh, and, and knowing what they were yeah, going to yeah. be doing in just a couple of episodes. I mean, um, well, even far enough in the, in the Dark Discussions catalog, oh, find an episode of Dark Discussions where Phil is talking about how excited he is to watch the Innkeepers. <laughs> That's true. I was like, oh, this is going to be the best film ever. And then I was like, oh, so terrible. Now, I don't know about Barrett, but I like The Innkeepers. I think that Eric liked The Innkeepers. Oh, no, I, I really like that movie. Yeah, I but no, Eric, but, but, but Phil hated it. That was, that oh, was, might, that might have been one of the very first, it may have been the first Phil obsession. Yeah, uh, I think it was. Yeah. It was my first, 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 like, meltdown. Yeah, even before his and then the, And then the thing, uh, requel. Set oh my god! Too. Yeah, that one set me off too. That pissed me off. That was terrible. <laughs> Doesn't take much these days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Phil, Phil has a, has basically best thing ever, and uh, and oh my god, that was awful. Garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all can agree with Skinner rank the banana. Garbage. Yeah, I think yeah. we all agree on that one. The rest, I can I agree. I, it did not work for me. I can understand that there are some people. Well, back to this movie. I, I would think not we want can them all agree that the movie we're children. talking about right now is good, but not great. Yeah. I yeah. Say, I think this is a solid double. Um, yeah. And I'm going and, and I'm perfectly happy to get that from from Shyamalan. I'm like, I liked old. I understand uh, why people wouldn't like it because yeah, the yes. dialogue was pretty terrible. Um, yeah. But I do think these work as little, well, not little, big. Twilight Zone episodes, right? You could see this being a Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. And oh. unfortunately, the Jordan Peele version of Twilight Zone, I guess, didn't go over too well. I kind of would have preferred, maybe, if Shyamalan had done that. Um, yeah, he has a better good. sense of what stories, you know, would seem to, well, I, I think. I don't think he's too deliberately saying, I'm making Twilight Zone episodes here. Um, right. But I think he might have a better sense of, of the kind of stories that play with that Twilight Zone sensibility. Yeah, I, I'll say this. Um, after I saw the film, my wife asked how it was, and I go, I said, yeah, it was pretty good. But And uh, when it comes out on VOD or whatever, we'll watch it, because I think you'll like it, too. So I think this is a, a good like date-type movie, too. So Yeah, my, my uh, wife enjoyed it. Yeah, so, so my Except wife... Except at the end, the date's going to look at you, and then look at Dave Bautista, and then look at you, and look at Dave Bautista... And you might have trouble measuring up. I'm just saying. Yeah, the man is is the definition of masculinity. Oh, absolutely. You're trying to measure up to somebody on the screen. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah, that's true, Bart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think Dave would just. Uh, you have to. It, certain woman wouldn't like him. I don't think. I, I mean, he, you know, he's a good-looking guy and everything. But everybody but has their type. Yeah, it's not like Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah oh, well, that's the that's the Brandon line in Rocky Horror, right? It's like, I don't like my men with too many muscles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't make him for you. you know, yeah, but, but, like my wife why, why does 
Why does Batista have those like ripples in his head? You know, I've wondered that myself. It's it's interesting. Oh yeah. Oh, because he uh, he actually uh, works out his head muscles by doing curls. <laughs> yeah, just like just like Vigilante, where where where, where he, he's doing his face. You remember? He goes, "Oh, I'm, I'm t- I don't want I'm moving my face so no one will know." And then then uh, uh, Peacemaker yeah, he's goes, his face muscles." What was? Oh yeah, I'll have to show you how to do your face muscles because he knows the guy's an idiot. Um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, like my wife would immediately go, oh, I don't like his tattoos. She doesn't like the tattoos. She's not into that. So it, it's like you said, Eric, it's every, everybody has their own taste. I wanna... But yeah, I, I gotta be honest. I, I, I mean, this is this, I thought it was a really impressive performance. Um, oh, by far, that was, that was the, the best part of the film. Yeah. Oh, I, but I mean, like, it wasn't I, I like just... a good performance for a horror film. I, I could see this getting some some recognition later on it's yeah yeah so it's like what's her face mia goth from pearl i mean right it was that good you know um i i just found an article uh talking about how people were asking and actively asking about his head ripples after glass onion um he won't respond I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look this up i didn't notice no no head ripples oh yeah he's got like he does not have a smooth head Let's just put it that way. Oh, I've seen oh, small, smooth bald heads, but his is like got like ridges. Yeah, because he's a Klingon. I I honestly thought it was something they did for Guardians of the Galaxy, and then I saw Me him too, and yeah. something else, and I was like, oh wait, his head's just like that. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying <laughs> maybe the thing it's kind of like Morgan Freeman in Robin Hood, where he did yeah. that stuff to his face. You mean the back of his head? The, the top of his head, yeah. Top of his head, yeah. yeah and okay, the back, yeah. I guess. That's interesting. His whole yeah. skull. All right, you think it's the roids? <laughs> Why do you I'm not that? going to make the assumption that he does steroids, unlike you. <laughs> the guy's only an inch taller than me, and, and he has that many muscles. It's It's got to be more than just working out. Well, he has more time to work out than you do, let's be honest. That's true, too. It's kind of his job. It's his job to work out. Yeah, I mean, all he does is work out. Yeah. That is true. That is true. <laughs> wow. All right. We're off the rails. I think we're done here, right? Yeah, I think we're done here. So uh, we've been recording about two hours, so we don't have any real time to discuss anything else. Um, but we, we can uh, talk about uh, – Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy, Dan. I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. And Mike, uh, there's there's an episode called The Game that's coming out uh, over the weekend or early next week. It's almost finished uh, edited, and we're actually recording an episode on it on another film on Monday night. Uh, what's that podcast all about? That is the Cinema La Card podcast, which is a film uh, film podcast, yet another film podcast in which you and Eric and I take turns discussing films that we want to talk about that may not necessarily fit in dark discussions, even though sometimes they do. Uh, And in the case of the game, that was an Eric choice. And that could maybe have been a dark discussions podcast episode, but it still uh, fits outside that genre too. So uh, we've also done, yeah, yeah, we've also done things like history of violence and uh, hostels uh, and the edge and, and and solid and uh, well, solid is not a thriller, but collateral was a thriller. But then we've done sillier things like Inside Out um, and Flash Gordon and uh, you know, so Kiss so, Kiss Bang Bang, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, basically um, whatever the hell we want, whatever we fucking feel like. like that <laughs> that is not a dark discussions episode. 
That's right. That's right. And Monday, no, no one has tried to actually do a, a Dark Discussions film yet, that, like a clear cut Dark Discussions film film yet. You know, so uh, um, a handful were close. Handful were close. Oh, there's there, there's ones that definitely like have ones that could have squeezed in the Dark Discussions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the whole reason that was done was so you could discuss the Mission Impossible movies, which you've never discussed. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That is true. Uh, also, uh, this podcast called "The Rise of the Cordyceps Infected," a HBO "The Last of Us" podcast. So it's a podcast that myself, Barrett, Mike, and uh, co-host Sean, who's not on this podcast, um, discuss uh, each episode of the television series "The Last of Us." On HBO, uh, it's a post-apocalypse zombie uh, show based off of the video game The Last Infected. of Us. Uh, yes, the, yes, they don't say zombies. It's, it's. I posted that article in our chat. Yes, um, but they call them infected. They don't call them zombies. But uh, similar to The Walking Dead, they only call them. Uh, I don't even know what they call them in The Walking Dead, but they don't call them zombies. Uh, a in thousand that. different walkers. things. Every community. Has yeah, the walkers. Term. That's it. The walkers. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we do that podcast, and uh, Barrett, me and you and a, a group of uh, co-hosts do uh, another podcast. Uh, what's that all about? Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. We do, again, a bunch of different stuff. We've done um, authors. We've done book podcasts. We've done movies that you know just either weren't on dark discussions or we just had a wild hankering to do. Um, and we have a special month where we do LGBTQ movies. That's June. Um, we recently did Avatar, The Way of the Water. Um, we had an episode come out about the movie Spellbinder. That was a tribute ep- episode. Um, yeah, we do just pretty much everything on there. Indeed, indeed. Um, all right, so uh, I think we can get into our final thoughts on this film here entitled Knock at the Cabin that we just discussed. So uh, we'll start with you, Barrett. Yeah, I really enjoyed this film. It was it was really fun to watch. Um, Dave Bautista does an amazing job. If you like him, you'll definitely like him in this. Um, it's well worth watching. Mike? Yeah, I like this, this, this film a lot. Uh, I had fun with it. Um, it is a film that very much is uh, in a genre I like. And I think Bautista's performance alone was worth the price of admission. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it again with my wife when it comes out on VOD because uh, especially the first half, the first half of the film is really good, um, and then the second half um, isn't as good, and uh, that's probably the, the changes from the book. And I just feel that way, not because uh, the changes from the book because I haven't read the book, um, but but yeah, the first half is a really great suspenseful film, and um, it's definitely a uh, a film that uh, would be good to, for a date night. So I'm going to try to watch it once more time with my wife when it comes out in a couple of weeks or months from now. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Eric. Um, I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was good, but not great. I agree that Dave Bautista is the standout performance of the movie. Um, I hope to see him in more uh, roles that showcase his acting rather than his size. Um so yeah, I, I liked it. I, I prefer the book personally, um, but you know, different flavors, different folks. Um, so you know, mid tier Shyamalan, it's pretty good. All right, sounds good. So uh, once again, the film is directed by M Night Shyamalan, 
uh, and he co-wrote it with two other screenwriters based off a, a novel. Uh, this film stars Dave Bautista, among other folk. Uh, and once again, we'll bring up the cinematographers and editors because they were standouts as well, which was uh, Jaron Blasky, Lowell A. Mayer, and Naomi Katharina Preswork. Uh, the film is at the theaters at the moment, but uh, it has already dropped uh, a lot. Um, it actually uh, lost out to uh, the um, the new Jane Fonda film. I know uh, you were going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it actually made more money, but it was at more theaters, and so per screen, um, it just squeaked by, um, which was kind of funny. But um, that it has, the Jane Fonda film is now still higher. Now that this one was like the one and done, while the Jane Fonda one, I guess, is, is yes. However, up. in its first week of release, it knocked Avatar out of the number one spot of the box office. It did, it did. Yep, yep. That's that's true. Though Avatar didn't jump back to number one again. It's just how it is. But uh, it, it has that to say. You're absolutely right. Um, so, uh, but if you want to see that footage, you better do it quick because it's about to, to leave. Yeah, it's um, almost gone. Yeah, but it will be on VOD pretty quick. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, mm. Again, that's just an assumption and a hypothesis, but it makes sense that it would. Um, and it is another a uni- conclusion. Phil is jumping to without evidence. Exactly, and it's a universal <laughs> picture, so I don't I don't think it'll go to anywhere free for VOD. Um, though I think Universal uh, is owned by one of the big companies. Is it Comcast? Comcast? Yeah, so it could go to direct, you know, I mean, Comcast VOD service or, or, or free service uh, if you get a, or a Comcast. Um, I think it'll be VOD. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'll definitely be VOD for everybody. But if you have Comcast, you may be able to get to see it free. I don't know how it works over there anymore. Uh, but either way, um, check it out if you like M. Night Shyamalan, because it's, yeah, as Eric said, it's, uh, you know, it's not necessarily his best, but it's good enough. So with all that stated, Eric. All right, thanks for tuning in. Let's talk about Knock at the Cabin. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. Mm-hmm.